So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids' summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. From the city that never sleeps, New York City. A space for all LGBTQ friends and allies to share experiences, opinions, and anecdotes. We talk politics, current events, food, and just about everything. Welcome to the LGBT Chat, hosted by Ida Ramirez. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the LGBT Chat Podcast. This is your host, Aida. Joining us today is Liz. How's it going, Liz? It's great. How are you, Aida? I I am, like, in a sauna right now. Like, <laughs> the, the landlord never gives heat. And, <laughs> like, today, out of nowhere, it's, like, steam. <laughs> That's New York, man. <laughs> but I'm not complaining. I'll take it. Liz, so I know you from softball, like, ages ago and I think I saw more more of Chris our mutual friend right who um because who he was more involved with softball than you were I think at the time you were off running yes I was dragged uh, along I was a good a good partner being dragged along to something he wanted to do <laughs> yeah and I remember hearing from the met the coach at the time um or the manager of the team at the time saying, you know, that she was like super excited because she had like somebody who could like run really well. I'm like, yay, because the team sucks. <laughs> so uh, we were excited to see you there. <laughs> Sadly, I'm not a sprinter though. So like running the bases was not my strength as a runner. But hey, you know, <laughs> it's all good. We took it. We took it. This is um for the Big Apple Softball League. And I think we're going to have somebody somebody from the board join us in a couple of weeks. But um, so what is it that you do? Like, what is your line of work? I coach runners full time. Okay. <laughs> Which I know, it's, no, it is, it is simple. We're like, well, what is that like? What do you do? Like, do you yeah. smiles with people? And um, no, I don't run a million miles with people. I'm a human being just like everybody else. I own my own, um, my own company. I created my own LLC, um, I think oh, five years ago or so now. And so I coach individuals that come to me looking for guidance, a training plan towards a specific goal or some accountability or somebody to help pace them for certain runs or to help with their form. And so I'm sometimes more of a, 
a therapist and a mentor as much as I am um, a running expert. And then I'm also a senior coach at Mile High Run Club, which is a treadmill studio with three locations in New York City. So I do a lot of standing when I'm in the studio, and I do a lot of sitting when I'm doing training plans, and I do some running with runners, but most of the miles that I run myself are for me. So my job is different every day, definitely has highs and lows of seasons as far as being busy. And I get to work with some really interesting, different personalities. (laughs) So I see you post a lot of um, like about going to different cities to do marathons and things like that. What's been like your most exciting place to, to visit or the most surprising place like that you didn't think you would be excited to be there, but turned out pretty awesome? For a race, I would say probably Frankfurt Marathon, because as a city, Frankfurt didn't really excite me. It's just so modern compared to a lot of Europe. It was, you know, Uh it was so so destroyed in World War II that a lot of it looks like New York, you know, the architecture. So I didn't feel that I was that excited to go there um, culturally, but and the goal was to go for a race, but I actually really enjoyed my time in Frankfurt more than I thought I was going to. Um, I don't think I went into it expecting something great. I think I, you know, I've been to other cities where I expect like amazing food or culture or to feel uh-huh. taken away from, you know, 2019 New York. And so Frankfurt was kind of a really pleasant surprise that way. It's funny you say that. I did an exchange program in high school to um, the south of Germany to uh, Schwarzwald, I think, the Black Forest. And uh, we did a lot of um, historical sightseeing and things like that. And we went on a five mile walk hike, hike, not a walk, because we were in like (laughs) uphills and through little towns and villages and things like that. And we were supposed to be heading to um, one of their like older castles there um, in that region. And we get there and legit, it's like a pile of stones. (laughs) <laughs> it was like like a, a stair there was like a spiral stair going up to like this pile of like you know like weird thing um but I was so disappointed but the rest <laughs> of the, the town I loved it it was absolutely amazing it was an amazing city um I love Germany I'd love to go back yeah it's definitely a, a favorite country for me for sure and the beer well yeah I mean I'm very food and drink motivated so like you know give me good food and beer options constantly. And I am like, I'm a happy camper. (laughs) What's your favorite beer? I see you posting about beer all the time. Oh, I don't know if I actually have a favorite. It's funny. I don't, um, I tend to, I tend to really kind of mix up what I order and go places Mm -hmm. where they have something, um, new, um, or just, um, unfamiliar to me. I mean, I tend to gravitate towards pilsners and lagers. So like German beer is kind of like my jam. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, I do enjoy some of the like interesting stuff or like the holiday stuff or seasonal stuff, Uh Um, but I don't think that's stuff I'd like sit down and easily drink like a six pack of while like lager pilsner, I easily could. And it's just, you know, it's, it's far more smooth. I love pumpkin beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I yeah, I do love pumpkin beer, and I just like love, love Oktoberfest. Like any like the Martins are great. So again, like Germany and I, um, like it's definitely a place I'm happy to always go back to. And they have great races, and the weather there in fall is really fantastic for running. So it's kind of like um, I I can make up excuses really easily to go to Germany to run a race. <laughs> 
interesting. It's interesting. The people were so nice while I was there. It was amazing how like friendly and and super friendly everyone was. Yeah, for sure. Um, you just came back from was it New Mexico or somewhere south? I was in Arizona last weekend for my twenty. I think it's my twenty-first marathon. Wow! Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, it was. It was good. It was a race that was about having fun. Last year was. Um, I had two really tough marathons, and I just I wanted to take a step back from being competitive or getting frustrated and just go back to having fun with it, which I realize to a non-runner sounds really kind of mental. Mm. <laughs> like, like you're going to go run 26.2 miles for fun. I can think of a thousand other things I'd prefer <laughs> to do. So I totally understand that. But, you know, it was a really great weekend. I got to see some friends of mine that some are just like dear friends from New York that went with me. Others are from other places that came in for the race. So it was like a really nice kind of like girl power weekend. Nice. And I and I had In-N-Out Burger right afterwards. So, <laughs> you know, like, again, the food motivation. Yeah, it was really good. And the weather was perfect. And again, it's like a way to travel and see another part of the world on my legs. It sounds like a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I know, right? I know. <laughs> I meant that. I meant that. <laughs> I didn't mean to sound disingenuous about that. Um, but how are the, the kitties? They are good. not really kitties, but I mean, I still refer them to as my babies all the time. So they're good. I mean, so Chris and I just moved back in together the end of January, so three weeks ago. Um, and his cat is like legit inbred mental and very aggressive <laughs> and my two are like sweet gentle mama's boys the one has like a lot of sass to him but they're just like super docile so right now we've been kind of segregating his cat from my two but now uh-huh. the layout the layout of the apartment makes it work so but because of it Chris and I are like sleeping in different rooms because I don't want to be without my cats and he doesn't want to be without his cat. We want them to feel Aww. supported. So like we're like it's really funny that like he's been sleeping on the couch <laughs> with the psycho cat and then I have like the bedroom and he like refers now to the living room as like his room. <laughs> and he's like maybe at some point we can like find a way to, like live like a normal couple in an apartment, but you know, we're doing what we got to do as weird devoted cat parents. So like <laughs> We're making it work. I was about to ask how they were coping, uh, but, but that answers it. There you go. <laughs> so, Liz, if, what questions should we be asking before we hire someone like you? That's a really good question, and that's one I really actually always want my runners, when they make the initial contact, to kind of mull over and think about, because it's so easy to, like, send an email um, just like it's so easy to sign up for a gym membership, but then it's mm-hmm. also really easy to like never use the gym membership. Um, <laughs> and then it sits there and, you know, but the thing is like the gym's going to go on whether you use it or not. Like, and it's, you know, it's on you while when you hire a running coach, part of what you're hiring them for is a relationship where that coach is going to keep you accountable, but it's also a two way street, right? Like a coach can't like your babysitter or like be knocking on your door every morning to make sure you get up and do your run. Um, so I think like a lot, I think an important thing for someone to think about before biting the bullet is how invested am I in taking on this new thing, whether it's 
um, they want to run for fun and they just want to add running to their life in a smart, sequential way. And they just need a coach to kind of help get them um, to build the habit and learn some things and then be able to kind of take the reins themselves. Um, or if it's somebody who says like, hey, I want to run Berlin Marathon, um, but I have no idea what that even means. What do I do? Um, and I think to also realize if you're taking on something like, say, a marathon, it's a really, really big commitment. It's, you know, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy. It's going to be a lot of um sacrifice in some ways in terms of making choices in your life that support doing the 26.2 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell anybody like if, and when you're ready, it's one of the most amazing journeys that you can go on. But if you're not 100% ready, you're going to resent it every week because it's going to feel like a chore and not like something that you do want to actually do. Um, there are definitely days in my life where I don't want to go do my own training. I mean, that's part of the sport, but in the big picture, it should be something that that person really wants to take on. So I think a, somebody who is looking to hire a coach needs to think about, honestly, what are they looking to do? And that there is going to have to be a lot of accountability that comes from them, no matter who the coach is, um, the time commitment, um, the financial commitment, because obviously a coach is somebody who's making a living coaching, so it's not going to be free. Um, and just to kind of also assess, is that the time of their life to do it? I've had plenty of people where are, you know, they want to run a race. Then they're like, oh, I'm also applying to grad school and I'm also mm. teaching jobs and I also just went through a breakup and I also, but I really want to do this. And I said, that's all really good stuff, but do these things realistically all work together at the same time? Um, maybe that run or that race is a really good thing for somebody going through a breakup or going through grad school and needing a stress reliever, but it also might not be the right time to, for different reasons. So I think those are things that somebody needs to think about and be honest about. And that's hard, um, before Mm -hmm. actually biting the bullet and committing to, a coach and a training plan and a goal, whatever that goal may be. Do you find that people, what are people mainly hiring you for? Is it for like special events or for like a routine? I would say most it's for an event. I would say probably like 95% of my athletes are um, people with a specific date in mind, a specific race, um, something, you know, very, um specific yeah like the, you know they're like I want to run the 13 point miles and a half marathon on May 19th and like that's a very specific goal I do have a couple of people that I've coached and I have a couple of my roster right now that just want they don't want to run races they've never wanted to run races but they they like to run but then there are times where they kind of fall off the horse and then get frustrated or they like how they feel when they run or they they find it's a, a very helpful addition to their life for health, but they struggle with how do I deal with rest and recovery? How do I deal with how frequently I run? Mm-hmm. They, tend to, they tend to either do too much and then burn out or, you know, again, like fall off. And then what's one day of not running? What's two days? Eh, what's a week? And then all of a sudden it's like three months later and you're like, wow, I haven't put on my sneakers in forever. And now I don't know where to start. But most of them, I would say there's there's an end date. There's a goal that's pretty specific in mind. I, I only run to the bus sometimes. 
Hey, and that's it's good to be able to have that skill, you know. <laughs> but I I find that I can walk like like I I'm really I'm really resilient to like walking um lots of miles. Like I I've done maybe 6 or 7 miles. Um like walking to work, I'd get off the I'd get off at like 86th Street or 110th Street and walk to like 34th Street. I don't yeah. have a problem walking, but I can't seem to make myself do that <laughs> a little extra. <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, I think there's something really, I mean, most most Americans do not walk nearly as much as you do. That's for sure. Um, you know, so don't don't sell what you're doing um, short in the big picture. Um, yeah, I mean, I think people in general have a big mental hang up too with running. It's um, it's been viewed as punishment in gym class for a lot mm-hmm. of us. It's also punishment, like on a sports team, um, you know, like, oh, go do suicides, go do a lap, go do another lap, go do another lap. Um, you know, running gets a bad rap and it's amazing how we carry those traumatizing experiences from middle school or high school. Like, I never thought about it that way. Into Yeah, like into adulthood. And so the idea of running, like people were like, no, I don't, I would never want to voluntarily do that or pay to go run a race. <laughs> you know, we view it as punishment. And I think that's unfortunate. Um, but I also totally understand <laughs> that. I definitely remember like in gym class, like, um, you know, being forced to do suicides or like a basketball coach, like never telling us when the last one was going to be. And you just learned very quickly that you couldn't trust your coach. And that's a really um, traumatizing experience. And so, um, you know, I think running gets a bad rap. um, And, uh, you know, hopefully over time that can change um, because it's something literally anybody can do. It's something our bodies are naturally developed to do. Um, You know, for the most part, it's a really inexpensive activity. And, uh, it's there for all of us, but that doesn't mean everybody has to do it or wants to do it. Right. Um, so if I'm in a city like Manhattan, for example, and uh, there are plenty of runners all the time, all around you, um, I feel weird. Like when there's people around me, they're constantly moving. Like, do I move out the way? Do they like know to go around me? Like, how do you, <laughs> how do you maneuver? How does a pedestrian maneuver around a runner? You know, I think like just do what you're doing, just move forward in a straight line. Um running in the city, I almost feel like I'm running in a video game. Um <laughs> and uh you know, I can see I'm making almost my move. I would say probably anywhere from 3 to 5 strides ahead from where I am. And like you're already kind of calculating like, oh, there's a woman with a very large shopping bag and there's somebody who has their phone down but they're walking kind of sideways. So I'm going to anticipate they're going to continue walking sideways to the right, so I'm going to veer to their left. Um okay. you know, like I think the runners always kind of thinking a couple of steps ahead. The worst thing somebody can do is like just stop dead in front of them. And I get that sometimes. <laughs> um but you know, I think like New York runners are usually pretty accustomed to where they're running. And if they're choosing to be on the streets versus like in a park, um, then I think that, you know, they know what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't get you the, worry. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I always felt like, ah, what do yeah. I do? Sure. <laughs> so if I know that I get that there's different paces to, to running and you can jog, you can, you know, you can go 
go slow or go fast, but is there ever a time when it's not safe for you to um, have running as a routine or, or run? If that makes sense. If it's bad for, you know, like, is it bad for you? Yes. Um, Physically. Running is never going to be physically bad for somebody unless they have a medical reason. Um, so if somebody obviously is dealing with um, some sort of ache or pain or injury or, um, you know, if a woman is really pregnant, for example, or has never run before her in her life, probably she shouldn't be starting in her second trimester. Um, you know, those are reasons where running should maybe be thought of as something <laughs> not to do or um, something that's a, that it's an activity a runner should talk to a doctor about before assuming that they can or should run. Um, for the rest of us, you know, running running is actually good for us. If somebody is sick, you know, take rest and get better. General health is always the most important thing. And runners get really neurotic. They'll be like, oh, I had the stomach flu yesterday, but I'm going to go do my long run tomorrow, coach. And I'll be like, wait, you were like puking. You've probably lost a lot of weight. You're dehydrated. A long run is high stress. Like your body is not ready for it because the flu sucks. Like mm -hmm. we have to, we have to give your body a hot second here and I'll help you work that run back in. But you know, so there are times where we have to kind of take a step back and think about just general health. Um, but otherwise, yeah, running is is safe. What about like uh, plantar fasciitis or something like that? Ah, uh, uh, yes. Plantar fasciitis, my nemesis. Um, you know, it's one of those injuries that is really hard to get rid of once you have it. Um, I used to get shots. Yeah. Um, like cortisone shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's also the one of those injuries that if handled well, a runner can manage. It's been something that I've personally dealt with off and on for the last eight years and knock on wood, it's really the only running injury that I've ever really dealt with. Mm -hmm. Um, but I always get it in my left foot for whatever reason. Um, oh God, me too. <laughs> yeah, like never my right, always my left. You know, there are a lot of things that can be avoided and, and some things that can't be, and some of them are going to be genetic. And again, for us New Yorkers, we're on our feet so much that certain things like plantar fasciitis is just going to be a higher risk situation because we're on our feet all the time. And if we're in shoes that aren't supportive while we're standing or at work or walking those three to six miles a day, that's all going to, that's all going to add up as far as stress on our arches go. So mm -hmm. it's not just necessarily the run, it's going to be everything else we're doing throughout the day, plus the run. And what is that stress doing to that body part? So, you know, planter is one of those things where if it's caught early, it's often manageable and and a runner can usually work through it. Similar with like other couple of things like runner's knee, shin splints, IT band issues. Um, those are very common running injuries. Some of them are due to taking on too much too soon in either mileage or intensity, which is where a coach comes in and says, okay, <laughs> these five days back to back of hard running when you were sitting on your butt last week for the, for the, you know, the previous, uh, five months, like you've gone from zero to 60 and your body's freaking out. We have right. to, we have to, you know, smart sequentially build a plan. So some of those injuries are definitely preventable. Some of them are going to be genetic due to just imbalance imbalances and like tightness. A lot of that can be though dealt with, with physical therapy or just strength training in a gym. 
a lot of those things, again, like in the big picture, we can always avoid just runners aren't always um, patient (laughs) or smart. We want to just get out the door and run. And unfortunately, that's often not enough. Um, And that's where those injuries pop up. Gotcha. So I don't know anything about sneakers. Like I own maybe a pair (laughs) or two. I'm like a loafers and like flats and sandals um, all year round. Uh, Is there a difference in sneakers? There is. There is. um, The shoe question is one that I get a lot. First off, there is no magical shoe for everyone across the boards. (laughs) There is no magical answer I can give you right now that's like, everyone should run in this shoe. Um, Because again, we're all made up differently, right? Every brand, so say Nike and Asics and Brooks, we'll use those three as examples because they're powerhouses. Most people know of them and they've been around for a long time. All three of those brands are going to have a whole line of shoes. So Nike is going to have a stability shoe, which is going to be somewhat heavy and offer a lot of support for somebody who, say, lands heavy on their feet or is a heavier athlete or maybe has some some issues where they land when they run, like they either pronate or supinate. Um, And so that shoe would kind of be good for them. Um, Then they're going to have on the opposite spectrum, a racing flat that's going to be super lightweight. And it's all about how light and aerodynamic it can be um, because every ounce counts when you're running fast, but there's not going to be a lot of support in that shoe. So that might be for somebody who is racing only on a track or is, you know, that waif runner who's 95 pounds or somebody who's just super, super light on their legs when they run. And that, and that model of shoe is not going to be able to last nearly as long as the heavy duty one, just because there's less material to it. And then you have the neutral shoe, which is kind of in the middle, where there's going to be far less support and stability than that much heavier shoe. But it's also going to have a little bit more substance to it than the racing flat. And then between all three of those, you're going to have slightly different adjustments and slightly different styles and slightly different toe box width and heel drop, which is kind of how high your heel is off the ground. So each brand of shoe might have a line of 10 to 20 different styles on the market at that time. So you can imagine when a runner is walking into your running store and they're like, I am looking for a needle in a haystack. You really are because you just have all of these options. And if you've no idea who you are as a runner, it's really hard to start. My advice to runners, um, especially if you're new, is take whatever shoe you have been running or walking a lot in and bring it in to that shoe store because someone at the shoe store is going to look at the bottom of that shoe and see where you've Mm -hmm. worn it out more than some other place. That's Um, so clever. Yeah. Well, you can't lie right, with what your shoe. And then also to be really honest, talk about what feels good, what feels supportive, what feels comfortable, what maybe rubs somewhere. Because again, it's your foot. Everyone's different with how high their arch is, how long their toes are. You know, like it's so unique. And just to be really honest, because again, that shoe should feel almost like an extension of your foot. It should not feel like this weird apparatus <laughs> that's attached to it. And focus on how things feel over the colors. I know fashion is fun, but you know, I've bought some hideous color combos in my day because. The shoe that's right for me, the designer was like, we're going to toss these weird, weird ass colors together. And I'm like, well, 
I know it keeps my foot happy. It's not a fashion show out there, so I'm going to wear it. So just really let your body kind of do the talking. Now, is a is a is your diet also specific to 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 every person or is there like a general rule? There's no general rule. Um, I would say for most runners, they just pretty much eat what everybody else does. You know, I think a lot of runners tend in in general to be a bit more aware of their choices with what they're putting in their body. So they might be a bit more thoughtful with their food purchases than say somebody who's not in a routine of some kind. But I would I would argue that somebody who's, you know, doing other things, you know, someone who's practicing yoga three times a week or somebody who's a dancer or somebody who's doing something else that's active, they probably are kind of thinking about their nutrition in a similar way as a runner is. And just they're being thoughtful about what they're putting into their body and how nutrition is fueling their their activity. So, I mean, you know, I know some runners that eat like garbage disposals and I know others that are like, you know, the most odd vegan, barely, you know, they're like, they're like on like fruit and nuts essentially. And, you know, (laughs) I'm a personal believer in just, you know, moderate, a level of moderation and enjoy Mm -hmm. everything, you know, French fries. Anything else. Yeah. Like French fries is a carb. Are there better carbs out there before a run? Sure. But, you know, if you want French fries, you're going to go for a run and that's what you want that day. Like, enjoy. (laughs) The only time I think a runner's nutrition is very different from somebody else's is when they're doing long runs. And that's when we do the whole carb loading thing where we get to have excuses to eat (laughs) more carbohydrates in our day than, say, on a day we weren't going to do a long run. So that's really the only adjustment in nutrition that I think, like, runners across the board adhere to. Okay. So Liz, since you started coaching, what has been your biggest challenge by far? Uh, <laughs> I'm not a mind reader. And, um, you know, I, uh, I do my best to communicate with runners, but there have definitely been a couple of runners throughout the years where they don't tell me when an ache or a pain is starting to pop up. And by the time they do tell me, it's like that ache or pain has turned into a major issue. Mm. And then we're and then we're looking at doctor's appointments and, you know, stress fractures or surgery or something. And it's like, you know, if I had known about an ache or pain, I would have recommended we see a medical professional. I would have pulled way back on your training. I would have changed things. You know, your coach only knows as much as you communicate with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I don't hear from somebody or someone seems distant, distant, I will always reach out. But, you know, again, like, I'm not a mind reader. And there've definitely been a couple of times where I feel like I care more about that person and their goal than they do. Um, (laughs) And that's heartbreaking. You know, I feel like the teacher who sees the kid with all the potential, who's like goofing off in class, right. And like never actually applying some kick-ass talent that they have that you can see they have. Um, So there's a lesson in that, but also too, like I've, I've realized I can't care more than my clients do because it's their goal. It's their relationship with the sport. It's their journey. Um, without question, I care as much as they do, and I'm in, as invested as they are. But you know, if I care more than they do, sometimes I just set myself up for for heartbreak on my end. Uh, you know, because you know you're working with adults. Like adults have their own lives and their own choices, and um, but that's also great too. What do you like the most about doing this? I love watching somebody who doesn't think they can do something and and taking them from that total disbelief. And you can see there's a level, too, of 
um, lack of confidence in just them and their strength mentally and physically and maybe even in their identity of who they are. And then taking them through a journey where on the day of the race, they are so ready for it. And it's like this caterpillar into butterfly transformation. And sure, obviously, it's physical, but it's also just so mental and emotional for them, too. And it's just it never it I never lose that like that like tingly like, oh, my gosh, here they are. It's their moment feeling um, and it's the greatest honor, honestly, to be part of that with them. I remember I was not a runner 10 years ago. Um, I ran like, because I didn't want to get fat because I was scared of not being employable as an actor. Um, and mm-hmm. I ran to reduce stress, but I did not think of myself as a runner. When I'd see a hill, I would like stop and walk up that bitch. Like there was no way <laughs> I was going to run up a hill. Um, and it's so vivid to me how my first year of running a race and training for a marathon transformed me as a human and my confidence and my empowerment as a woman and my body as a woman and having ownership and feeling differently about it and its value and what it could do. And that's never been lost on me since my very first marathon. And so just watching other people go through that and helping them go through a similar journey. It's just, it's so amazing. It's so, it's so great. And it doesn't matter whether they're, you know, out there for three hours or seven hours, like they're doing it and they're proving to themselves that they're capable of something they've never done before. And they're having this just epic journey. And there's nobody can take that away from them. There's anything you can say to your younger self when you first started, not your younger self, but when you just first started, is there anything that you'd like to say to yourself? I would tell myself um, not to sell yourself short of anything. It's so easy to look at somebody and say, oh, they're capable of this, but I'm not. Or they're a fast runner. I'm not. Or they're, they look strong. I don't. That you can evolve and change to be whomever you want to. And change takes time. I certainly did not feel or look like I do now overnight. And it's going to continue to be a journey. But just to tell the, the haters and the coaches and the people who say, oh, you're not fast enough to this, you're not good enough, just to tell them to shut up, don't listen to them, and that you never know what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. And that's true. That's what I would tell anybody, too. You just you never know. And it's mm-hmm. never too late to try something new. Yeah. And the haters are always there. And and sometimes there's a, they're disguised as friends. Um, yeah. I mean, just- I had I had a coach once and it was like, you know, I I wasn't the fast one and I would be discredited for things before I had been tried something. And uh, and I'd be told, oh, I can't do this. Like, oh, that's a really fast time. But you can't do that. And I wasn't told that in so many words. But, you know, it's like, why are you limiting my potential when we don't even know what it is? Don't don't lie to me and tell me I'm going to be an Olympian. (laughs) But also to say, you know, with hard work ethic and smart training, we don't know where your potential really goes to. And I think that I've taken that to to my runners where, you know, I don't I don't know necessarily in the beginning what their potential is. And sometimes even in the first year or two, I don't or they don't. And it becomes kind of like this this thing where you, you, you chip away and you get to a new level and then you chip away for a while and you get to another new level. And, you know, at some point we all plateau, we all kind of get to our peak, but where that is for all of us, we wouldn't know unless we tried and unless we continued to not accept where we are and to keep pushing forward. Right. Unless you put the work. Yeah. I mean, we limit ourselves, whether we believe we can or can't, right. We're, we're right. So just to be optimistic and, and have a good work ethic and you don't know what you can do. Our ending question, Liz, 
How old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go first. <laughs> I would be 56 years old. <laughs> I'm 35 next Saturday, by the way. But I feel oh, like my body feels day. like, thank you. My body feels like I'm just like, ah, like I'm exhausted <laughs> all the time. I'm like way down. I have no energy. So I'm like in my mid-50s, guys. <laughs> well, welcome to 35. Um, I beat you by just a couple of weeks. Um, so I guess, I guess like six weeks or so. So welcome. Happy belated. Um, <laughs> thank you. You know, I feel physically like I'm 25, honestly. But mentally, I feel like, <laughs> I'm going to say like 45. I feel like my brain has always been, <laughs> I don't know, I'm just exhausted. I, See, <laughs> mentally, I feel like I'm 18. You know, yeah. like, I want to <laughs> rock yeah. out and do things. And then my buddy's like, no, bitch, you're going to bed at 10. <laughs> which, yeah, which is funny, because I feel like experience-wise, I feel like I've always been kind of an old soul. And I like, have, I've had so many learn. <laughs> learning experiences. That's why I feel, I think, mentally old. But physically, I feel, you know, I'm exhausted when I'm in training, but I feel, I feel good. I feel young. I'm sure at some point that's going to flip-flop, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only part I, I've enjoyed about working out is that after feeling of, like, euphoria and, like, energy, that umph that I get of, you know, it's a lot of fun and it feels nice. Yeah, it's funny how sometimes exercising makes you feel more energetic afterwards, even if you're totally exhausted mm -hmm. going into it. There have been so many times I'm like, I'm going to drag myself to the gym to go lift. And I'm like, I just don't want to. I want to sit on the couch and eat chocolate so badly. But then, you know, I finished the gym workout. And I'm like, I'm so glad I went. And I now actually have more energy than I did when I was ready to fall asleep at 7 p.m. So, you know, our bodies and exercise are funny. They're funny things. Yeah. Did I forget to ask you anything? Um, did you want to share anything? Where do we find you? How do we get in touch with you if we need you? Sure. You can Are you taking in new clients? <laughs> I I am taking in new clients. Um, I try to keep my roster relatively small these days so I can really focus on individuality and quality over quantity. But that being said, um, always happy to chat with a runner and see if they'd be a good addition to my roster. And again, seasons are always changing. There's always runners getting close to that that goal, that deadline that are then going to take an off season. And then I've got new ones on the horizon looking for something three months or six months or nine months down the road. So it's constantly an ebb and flow. I can be found on the internet pretty easily uh, at coachcorkyruns.com, on Instagram at coachcorkyruns. I tend to do a lot of stories there with just tips and things on running and I keep it real with what it is that I'm going through as an athlete too. I definitely feel and deal with the same stuff as everybody else. And, you know, so you can find my email and uh, reach out to me via either Instagram or uh, coachcorkyruns.com. Awesome. Um, with that said, guys, our quote of the day, discipline is just choosing, choosing between what you want now and what you want the most something to think about. Liz, thank you again for joining us. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at LGBT Chat Podcast and on Instagram at LGBT Podcast. Until next time, guys, happy trails. Bye, everybody. You just listened to the LGBT Chat Podcast with your host, Ida. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Podcast. Catch a new episode every Saturday. As a business owner, your nightmares might sound like this. 
but advertising on Cats Digital can turn your nightmares into this. Hi, how can I help you? I'll be right with you. You see, Cats Digital is the only true audio anywhere advertising. You'll be talking directly to your customers on any device, any place, and any time while they're listening to music, talk shows, and podcasts. Now that's a great dream. Wake up your business at katzdigital.com. People say treat yourself like you need a reason, but McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. Like bold McCafe iced coffee, get any size for $1.69. Or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.